Welcome to Gen Z's Guide to Politics. Um, my name's Pauline, and I'm here with my other co-host, Rachel. Um, say hi, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. No, hi. I'm, I, hi, I'm Rachel. And welcome, as Pauline said, to Gen Z's Guide to Politics. You should definitely subscribe on Spotify or follow the podcast wherever you're listening. And you can also check out our Instagram and our TikTok at Gen Z's what are we talking about today, Pauline? What are we, you know, discussing? At the time of recording, it is International Women's Month. And where there are a lot of awesome things about women and the things that they've done, I, th- and not just I, but Rachel as well, thinks that some things just go unnoticed and they're the more depressing things because people don't like to talk about them. Um, so we will unfortunately but also fortunately because it's really important to educate yourself be talking about the violence against women and like the different types of violence against women and how it is considered an epidemic in today's society and um before we start quick content warning basically for like what's coming up and everything as pauline said we are going to be discussing we're going to be talking about violence against women in like a couple different places throughout the world so there might be different contexts and everything going along with that. The first thing that we will be covering, like if you still want to be educated, but listening to the more nitty gritty stuff can be a bit triggering, is we will be talking about like the more definition aspects of violence against women and more of kind of like the different categories and like explaining and things. So if you do listen and you are uncomfortable, we do applaud you for making yourself uncomfortable to learn because that's really cool of you. Yeah, I second what Pauline is saying. And of course, also, if you're listening to this and you feel like any of this applies to you, um, we can also offer some resources for you to reach out to should you feel that you are in an unsafe situation and you need help. Also, our messages are always open and we can send you resources that way as well if you feel like you need it. So without further ado, um, I think that we can jump into our very important topic today. So we'll give you a couple more seconds, but yeah, if you need to click out, now's the time. So yeah, let's jump in. So violence against women is gender-based violence that can consist of consist of sexual, emotional, physical, or economic violence against women and girls simply for their gender. And of course, this this applies to all kinds of different women, so trans women, queer women. Trans women are women. So so looking at the different types of violence that women experience, I want to start with domestic violence. So that can fall under economic violence, physical violence, sexual violence, and psychological violence. Um, and I wanted to cover each of those very briefly. So psychological violence would be like emotional damage, being mean to your, your female partner. Sexual violence is like sexual assault, sexual harassment. Physical violence is like hitting. One that kind of goes unnoticed a lot, though, is economic violence. So restricting your female partner being able to do things with money or taking their money from them or not allowing them to work a job, um, things like that. Or sometimes, and this is not as frequent as like, you know, it's not super frequent, but I'm using it as an example because it is a good example. Let's say like a, a woman is working under a man and then like, He starts to do things that like violate like company policy, like he's having like he's like manipulating, like essentially like how much money she's making or he forces her to quit or stuff like that. That can also be considered economic violence. Uh, If you're experiencing like domestic violence, like always feel free to reach out to like the hotline.org or 
you know, I wouldn't say call the police because they're not always the best, um, but there are also usually domestic violence shelters near you and you can like look up the phone numbers for them and they usually will send a car out to to you. Really quick, I actually can share that hotline number with you. And this is the National Domestic Violence Hotline. It is 24-7. There are, you know, different language interpreters if you speak Spanish or a different language aside from English. But um, that number is 1-800, so 1-800-799-7233. Or you can text START to 88788. So if you maybe can't call and you can't like open the phone, you can text the hotline as well, which is really cool. So um, yeah, so you can do that. But um, but yeah, so we can get back into the topic now, but I want to drop that really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and domestic violence happens quite often. I'm pretty sure the statistics are like one in three women will experience domestic violence at least once in their lifetime. It is really sad to think about. And it's one of the reasons that violence against women is considered an epidemic because so many women are affected by it. Femicide is the next domestic, not domestic violence, femicide is the next um, topic of violence against women that we're going to talk about. And it is the intentional murder of a woman because they are a woman. Um, This is different from the murder of men because it's usually committed by an ex-partner or a current partner or a family member, um, usually a male family member or like somebody who holds power over that said woman. And it usually, a lot of times, more times than not, it has ongoing abuse involved or sexual violence. Or, as I said before, the woman in the situation has a lot less power than the man. Um, And kind of along with that is honor killings, um, which goes hand in hand with femicide because it usually is committed by a male family member because the woman has brought shame in some kind of way. And, like, not that you could ever justify the murder of another human being, but what is considered shame can vary as anything texting, like, a male friend or, like, wearing the wrong clothing, putting on makeup, wearing something that's just not okay, or it is literally anything that a man can deem as shame. And a lot of the places that we see this happen is in Iran, um, in Iraq, or and like we've had we've had we had an episode it was like what's going on in Iran where we kind of talked on honor killings but but honor killings happen a lot in Iran and of course like we also want to address that women's rights are going to be different in every place of the world like so which is part of why we're doing this episode because the last one we touched a lot on issues that are going on specifically in America and kind of within like our you know our worldview so yeah, but we obviously want to cover these with like grace and awareness and things properly. So there have been a lot of more cases in Afghanistan since the Taliban t- um, took over, but we still see them in America. They're just not called honor killings. But you see, I am almost willing to guarantee that you have seen at least one news, news case about a brother killing a sister um, or a dad killing a daughter or a grandfather killing like a granddaughter and those husbands kids, yeah like husband husbands inter inter like partner violence like that happens all the time yeah and as speaking of like husbands killing wives and you can look up the clip like on youtube or online there was a who was that guy with the mustache 
he's like a black man what is his name steve harvey wait steve, yeah, harvey. steve harvey he has all the game shows this is kind of like off track but you know how he does like the family feud thing you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah, so yeah where episode, he's like asking the yeah 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 like a whole bunch of questions so there was a family feud episode um where there was a guy and steve harvey goes um what is your biggest regret about your wedding and he goes saying i do and literally this year he killed his wife rebecca her name was rebecca and i don't know like the full details of the story like i saw it in passing but it happened and my point uh, and the point that we're trying to get across is it does happen in america it just doesn't have the name honor killing behind it mm-hmm. and so that's something else that's really important to think about there was a man who killed his wife and both of his daughters and put them in like an underground like oil uh, like oil what are they called like observe not observes but like like, like a like reserve, a reserve. reserve. Yeah. an oil, underground yeah. like oil reserve and he did it because he wanted to go like he just wanted to remarry and i can't figure out the logic in my head but you shouldn't think that killing your children and your wife is somehow easier than just divorce because it's not so and that kind of brings us into our next point which is sexual violence um and sexual violence can be categorized several things but i think a lot of people which you know we kind of touched on at the beginning Sometimes it feels so overwhelming when you first learn about sexual violence that you don't know all the different types. So to start with, there is sexual harassment, which is unwanted physical contact. And an example of this would be somebody coming by and slapping your ass or, you know, pinching your boobs without talking to you. My mother, when she was in high school, not high school, when she was in middle school, my mom had really big boobs and somebody came up to her and just pulled up her shirt. Because they thought they were stuffed. My mom was 11. She wasn't wearing a bra. And like her boobs came out. But that was harassment. That was not okay. And this happens, I'm sure almost every woman and a lot of men and a lot of queer women can recount a time that they were harassed in some like some kind of way. And some way that wasn't appropriate. And then that kind of leads us into rape, which is non-consensual anal vaginal oral penetration. Rape and rape culture and sexual violence is all enhanced by rape culture, um, which is normalized and defended by the patriarchy. And we we treat it as if it's like, it's not normal. And I mean, despite popular belief, America has one of the highest rates for sexual violence against women. It is alarming how high our rates are for sexual violence and also how low the rates are for prosecution. Um, Because a woman is more likely to be right accusing a man than a woman than a man is to be falsely accused and that's the thing and there's also a lot of i really believe if we taught children about consent a lot earlier and we taught them about and i don't just believe it there are studies you know backing this belief up but if we taught children about consent a lot earlier and we taught them about a lot of things a lot earlier i don't believe sexual violence would happen as much i also believe that we should be prosecuting those who commit sexual violence. They shouldn't just be getting off the hook as, like, as easy as it is because it's like, oh, he's just having a bad day. Okay, do we say that when John walks into a gas station and like literally breaks the gas station clerk's arm? No. When you rape someone or when somebody experiences sexual harassment, they that that's trauma and it stays with them for a long time. And once again, this is my body. My body. And most sexual violence occurs because it's a man trying to assert power over a woman in some way, which is really scary to think about. Also, let's think about 
let's take a moment of silence for how many women have gone on Tinder dates and then been drugged in their own apartments. Because that is an alarming. Or or who have gone on Tinder dates and like haven't come home because like or Bumble dates because it's happened on Bumble too. Yeah, no, yeah, any any date really. And I I wanted to touch on this because like I think like and I'm glad Pauline brought it up because I feel like I see so many stories of like specifically women of color getting on these dating apps and going to meet people and then they're either they go missing or they're found murdered like unalive like dead or they wake and, up naked in their bed and they don't know how and but that's like, the thing is like when those things happen like your body remembers you might not be conscious of what well, happened but also the more alarming thing is that if they are murdered a lot of the time police do not go and investigate those people that they went no. on that one date with they don't even look at them as suspects or they hear their story and then right away they say they that they're not a suspect which is and and it's white men it's white men that this happens with so often and it's like it's a very alarming thing that happens and it's like it's just it's awful it's so awful because their families are left to wonder like why isn't this person being investigated what's going on we contribute to rape culture as women when we kind of avoid the topic which can really suck because avoiding the topic is what you want to do when you've had it happen to you you just kind of want to pretend that it doesn't happen but the more that we put rape culture on like a back burner the more that it's likely to get ignored and the more that violence against women is going to continue which can be a really frustrating feeling because it's like we're the women we're not the problem like in this situation so yeah that sucks and also like i think that sometimes we perpetuate rape culture and violence when well i think on a smaller scale i think like when we bring down other women like with male counterparts like you know if that makes sense yeah or question them like i think so like what i was talking about like on a small scale like even like if you're with your guy friends and like i don't know it's sort of like the idea of like the pick me girl and i always like think that that's something like we have to unpack because like the pick me girl screams like internalized misogyny that idea of like oh like other girls are like girls are so hard to like deal with or like oh they're so high maintenance or like oh they're ugly if they wear makeup like bringing other women down in that way but also like like just contributing to misogyny but also like questioning women if it's a certain guy who you're friends with and you're like oh but they could never do that or like if your boyfriend did something like you know chances are he probably did yeah and like it's hard you know because like if you're in that position it's like of course you never want to think that your partner would hurt somebody especially if that's somebody who you're also intimate with and in some ways it might feel like a betrayal to you but yeah. at the end of the day, you have to understand that, like, you are you have more in common with that other woman woman who, with that man who is essentially like is coming to you with a concern of like this happened to me or who comes into like the public eye saying like this happened to me. Like, you should believe them. You know, you should stand by them. 
just like believe survivors like that's the thing like if somebody says that they're abused you believe them you know until like, proven otherwise like obviously but like and it's so much more likely for like a woman to have actually experienced something because like the amount of courage and like it's it it's unlikely that somebody would go through the hardship of publicly accusing someone just to have it fall back on them that 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 it wasn't true you know it just doesn't make sense it it doesn't make sense and like are there situations where that has happened yes of course there are but that doesn't outweigh the stark amount of cases where it has been true and women haven't been listened to or a victim hasn't been listened to you know so and also, like, I think it's important to mention, too, that, like, when you kind of use this statement of, like, men experience abuse, too, men get raped, too, men have sexual violence issues, too. Well, that takes the kind of, like, this power of that statement away because you're using it to it's essentially like, oh, support I the uh, the idea that violence against women is less prominent. So it, like it lessens the impact of both of those statements because like it's taking that away from both of those groups of survivors. So like, so it's kind of hard to transition out of like sexual violence. So we'll go into human trafficking because they kind of sexual violence ha happens on top of human trafficking and human trafficking against a lot of people's beliefs and wanting to hear it is real. Um, young children, specifically women, because um, it's more likely to happen to women and young girls than it is men. They experience sexual violence along with, you know, physical violence. And it is it is really sad to think about. And then, you know, that also kind of goes hand in hand with child marriage. So many, and it is legal in, you know, several countries that, you know, 13-year-olds and, you know, 15-year-olds can get married with like a parental signature. And as we discussed earlier with honor killings is that your parents can sometimes be your worst monsters and you know we also talked about it with conversion therapy you know like what if you say you know mom i'm a lesbian and we're not saying that this could happen i mean that this has happened but we're saying it could very well happen and then you live in a state you know where marriage is legal at 16 and then your mom is like you're gonna marry this man i'm gonna sign the document y'all are gonna get married and you're gonna deal with it because in the right situation if you've been traumatized enough and you're just trying to please the people around you you're gonna do what they want you and then this kind of is going to take a, a, a like a we're going to take a little u-turn we're going to go back to physical violence because i wanted to specifically touch on female genitalia mutilation um and if you don't know what female genitalia mutilation is it is when a young girl and this is a cultural thing very similar to the honor killings but it does happen in america it's essentially where part if you're looking at you know woman's genitalia where the clitoris is it gets chopped off um and this happens at like the age of that a young girl goes through her period so you know 9 10 11 12 13 14 that is traumatic um and a lot of times it's done without anesthesia and it's done while you're awake and i i can't imagine how terrifying it is to look at your body or look at your vagina like your most you're not your vagina but your well yeah your vagina and look at it like you are looking at your most personal intimate 
intimate. And see that it it's not the same that it once was. And just because it's a cultural practice doesn't make it okay because it's not. It is not. And like <laughs> this is it's it's something that we want to touch on and we want to acknowledge that there is an element of like a, we're talking about a culture that like at least I am not a part of. And it happens in countries that are outside of the US and you know just genuinely, I am not, you know, well-versed in like every single culture of the world. So, but when it comes to, you know, young women in these countries who are having this done to them without their consent, they're, you know, they don't know about it. They don't know what to do. And, you know, they talk about it in like in the United Nations, like, is this, you know, how, how do we go about this human rights violation? Because in- it is considered a human rights violation. Like mm-hmm. in the the UN, it has been considered a human right violation since 1997. And I think like, to me, of course, from like a different perspective, it sounds like, you know, if they don't want this procedure done, the bottom line is that like, I think everybody should have bodily autonomy. I don't think that they should have this procedure done to them when they're, when they don't have the consent. You can't ask somebody if they want something done without telling all of them the options. It's one of the reasons that me and Rachel, like, advocate for informed consent so much because, like, we were not informed when we had things done to us with our bodies. And you can't give a seven-year-old and, like, a seven to 13-year-old all the information about the effects that could happen. To their reproductive organs. Like, they don't even have, like, the really strong understanding of, like, what you know their reproductive organs do like the clitoris for example what what is the clitoris for like they don't you can't explain that to them it's very difficult yeah to explain that to a child in 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 full context like yeah but you're telling them we're doing this to you because you're a young woman and so you're good enough for your husband why aren't they like and it doesn't and I understand that it's a cultural practice, but that doesn't make it okay because you're taking away bodily autonomy from children. And that's never okay. Taking away bodily autonomy from anybody isn't okay. Like, that's what this whole episode is about, is how bodily autonomy has been repeatedly taken from women over and over and over. And there are some families that still practice it and they live in America or Canada or in the UK and they'll take their children out of country to have the procedure performed and for them to recover and like label it as a, verca- a vacation. I almost said vacation. I have a, I actually have a play that I can recommend if oh, people yeah. are, are interested in like reading about this, like from the perspective of like a playwright and an artist who has lived in the country where this is like practiced and everything. And I think that it's been tra- it's it has been translated into English. I'm not sure how many different languages it has been translated into because I read it in English. So you know, I would have it would have to be for me to do that. So, but that play is called Tisha Tisha, and I read that play in my first year of college, my freshman year of college in script analysis class. But yeah, that play is written by somebody who is from one of those countries and it's sort of about that topic. It is a little bit abstract and it's a lot to get through. But if you're interested in reading that perspective, again, the play is called Tisha Tisha, T-I-C-H-A. 
and two words. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, that's just, yeah, just a recommendation for reading, but. I wanted to kind of, I wanted to have like an experience brought up before we transition, which I wasn't thinking about. So I'm so glad that Rachel made me think of that. But Dr. Layla Hussein, um, or Hussein, it, um, OBE is a psychotherapist specializing in supporting survivors of sexual abuse. She is also the founder of the Dahlia Project, the UK's first specialist therapeutic services for FGM survivors and Magul, an organization that promotes the well-being of women who have undergone or at risk for FGM. Um, quote, just imagine yourself as a seven-year-old child on an ordinary day playing outside and suddenly being grabbed by people you don't know. Imagine the people you know and you trust the most are spreading your legs apart before cutting apart. Cutting actually happens, you are violated. Then a sharp blade takes your genitalia, removing all of your labia and your clitoris. They stitch up your vagina, leaving you with a small hole from where you are expected to menstruate, have intercourse, and give birth at some point. This was my experience at age seven. I underwent type two female genitalia mutilation, um, end quote. And then for years after, no one asked about that experience, never talked to me about what had happened until the day a practice nurse asked that question during routine postnatal exam. I was having a difficult pregnancy blacking out whenever I was being examined vaginally. But I've never made the connection until the day when the practice nurse said, I see that you're from Somalia. Can I check if you have undergone this practice? And without hesitation, my response was, yes, but mine wasn't the worst type. There's nothing wrong with FGM. And I'm saying this with a month-old baby girl in my arms. No one had brought this up my entire pregnancy. I had lived in the UK since at the age of 12, and a decade later, this was my first time anyone had asked me about FGM. Not the midwife, not the GP, who had been examining through my examining me throughout my entire pregnancy, who had clearly seen my scars. Um, when I asked this question, it changed my life because the practice nurse made me realize the blackouts I was experiencing were actually because of flashbacks to what I experienced as a child. She had such extreme trauma that every time somebody tried to touch her vaginally, that was a doctor where she had to be like in a position that was similar to when she was a child, she would black out. And this is the reality of what happens for lots of survivors of sexual violence and female genitalia mutilation. And it is incredibly disturbing and sad. Anyway, though, so hard to like, like stepping away from a nuclear bomb. Yeah, no, holy. for sure. And I, um, you know, I and again, I just want to reiterate kind of throughout this episode um, that our DMs are always open. <laughs> you can always uh, slide into our DMs and chat with us about uh, how you're hurting um, or how you need resources. Because and of course, you don't have to. But if you ever want to, we are more than willing to talk about it. Or if you're just looking for a resource or a group or, or community or anything, like we could try to help. Yeah. We don't always have the answers. And I think like that's a theme of our podcast in general like we we'll don't help you really... find them though yeah we we will do our best to to help with what we do know and we're always willing to learn and listen so yeah and on that note there as i said earlier at the beginning of the podcast we've referenced a lot of pieces of today's episode and this episode specifically there as we grow as a culture and a community there are different types of violence that we have to learn about as things grow and it really wants me to bring up digital violence because a lot of people don't think about digital violence but verbal attacks are just as much as harassment as physical attacks are they can be just as detrimental um 
along with those digital attacks. So doxing, if you don't know what doxing means, it means that somebody finds your address and leaks it on the internet. And you might think that this isn't a big deal, but there are people who threaten to murder people when they find these addresses. This especially happens to a lot of sex workers. A lot of OnlyFans workers that you see, it happens to them a lot. Non-consensual texting. I'm sure I can, I can say that this one has happened to me. You open your phone, you're chatting with a guy, there's a dick on your phone. All of a sudden. Just a dick. Dick on the phone. I know for uh-huh. a fact that every single millennial and Gen Zer who exists has gotten an unsolicited dick pic. And I, okay, not even saying that, like, yes, it's kind of a joke, but no, it's also not a joke. I can definitely, I don't have enough, like, fingers on my hands. Like, I would need to count on my toes probably for the number of unsolicited dick pics I've gotten. Um, it's probably in the hundreds. Probably in the hundreds, yeah. But yeah, anyway. That is a menace. It's like, it, we make jokes out of it because it's literally trauma and we are Because it's uncomfortable. Yeah, because it's it so uncomfortable. You don't know what, it, it, because it's not something anybody should have to go through. Like, ever. It's just not okay. Ask and, ask before you send nudes, guys. Like, guidebook tip, ask not, before you send anything. And um, it's not that hard. Like, it's yeah. very simple. But also on that note, like, you have cyberbullying, which is, like, where, like, somebody's, like, threatening you or like saying like i'm going to you know once again it's very similar to you know kind of the the way that doxing takes place except you know they're saying it virtually but if somebody doxes you they could just show up at your house and like threaten these things at your face which is terrifying um so that's also something to think about but violence against women occurs in so many ways so many ways and it has only gotten worse as the patriarchy has continued to grow um like and looking down on it and pretending that it doesn't exist will not ever help anything you're literally just contributing to rape culture we have to keep having these conversations so people can keep being educated and so we can actually make changes because it shouldn't be the norm that you have third generation rape victims it shouldn't be the norm that one in three women will experience violence against them in their lifetime It shouldn't be the norm that many women in countries where there's public transit get on the bus and see some dude jerking off to them. That shouldn't be the norm. That should be the abnormal. The normal should be that you can live life without somebody being a total dick to you and taking away your consent. Mm -hmm. Snaps to that. Yes. So before we leave off, I just wanted to leave another phone number. Um, option and everything for people we've talked a lot about sexual assault and violence as well um in this episode so um if you feel that you're struggling and you need to talk to somebody who you think can help um we encourage you to reach out to the national sexual assault hotline um and that number is 1-800-656- four six seven three so if you feel the need to call that number please of course we encourage you to do so but yeah today's episode has been a bit heavy but um we i think it's like it's important for us to have the vocabulary to talk about these things that's the very first part if you give people the words to put something into you know, 
into like language essentially like if you give people the the means to talk about what they've experienced and what they're going through then that opens the conversation which opens the door for change so that is the best place for us to start so we hope that you guys have um you know learned a little bit more about um these different things that we've talked about we hope you have some new definitions that you can kind of use at your disposal we hope we've offered some good resources to you and everything and we hope that you take this into account for women's month so with all that being said we sincerely hope that you guys have an all right day and uh we hope that whatever is going on around you that it's pleasant get yourself a nice cup of coffee and a nice snack perhaps yeah just enjoy your day don't forget to follow oh god i'm sorry i was yawning don't forget to follow us on um gen z's guide to politics on instagram we're always there if you need to talk and to be quite honest you're more likely to get a response if you follow us on instagram because we have a lot less followers um and a lot less people DM us, but also follow us on TikTok for like daily news and stuff. Yes. We're always looking for new guests and new people to talk to. So if you're interested, hit us up. But with all our announcements out of the way, with all of our topics discussed, I think we can close out this episode. So thanks for listening, everybody. And we will see you next week.